You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hope everybody is continuing. Hope the coffee, as we say, tastes a little bit better this morning. Uh, the work detail, BS, whatever you're dealing with, was a little bit easier. Victory Monday. We're not, we're not getting it. We're used to it, but we're not getting used to it, so to speak here. It's, it's a new feeling around these parts. And certainly, certainly enjoying it. Your host, Jeff Lloyd, joined tonight. From PFF, Mr. John Costco. We're going to sit down, obviously, a breakdown yesterday. And I'll continue to say it again uh, today, guys. By far, yesterday was my favorite victory of the season. Um, starting to see some players who, you know, have been you know, busting their butts trying to find, you know, some success and seeing it come to fruition and starting to see that, you know, maybe, you know, these teams, you know, these guys on this team are not just basically staring at, you know, certain players and expecting them to do all the heavy Lifting Locked On Browns is brought to you by Pepsi. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. Three games, folks, Thursday. Um, and anybody has problems with Thanksgiving, seriously, sit around, eat all day, whatever you choose to eat, and you have three football games. Oh my god, yeah. What a terrible, terrible holiday. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent. That Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It is made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. Mr. Costco. Uh, now, you know, I had mentioned it, but yesterday just watching, you know, and, and I guess we'll start on the defensive side of the ball. But for me, the one bright spot and obviously the grades was very well. And I mean, if he had ended up possibly with a sack, you're talking about a guy who maybe could have snuck away with the defensive player of the week. Then Olivier Vernon. Then you throw in uh, Audrey, obviously Adrian Claiborne, uh, Denzel Ward with a big pick. But Sione Takitaki kind of set the tone early. And, you know, the activity is always there. And, you know, sometimes it's the breaking down. And it's great that you can go 100 million miles an hour in one direction. Um, but if you end up running past the play, which we've seen in several instances with him. Um, but, you know, who knows? Maybe it was, you know, the INT, the pick six that got the confidence going. Uh, but starting to see, you know, some other players at least contributing or trying to contribute, whereas it's, uh, all right, well, if Miles doesn't do it, hopefully Ronnie Harrison does it, and or maybe Denzel Ward and the rest of the eight guys out there, they don't even need numbers on their backs because they're no part of this at all. Yes, uh, I mean, this is a guy that I've, I've talked about for, you know, since last year when, when they drafted him and um, just being a fan of his, uh, mainly because he's super versatile and he's explosive, right? So you have to be able to find a, a role for a, a player like that where you can you can use him as a chess piece. And I think he you saw it from the very first play where he he shot that hole and forced Miles Sanders to just basically eat it before he just lit him up in a hole, um, and was just was flying around like he always does, and it just it you know. It, Obviously, when you have a pick six, that's going to boost your grade a, a tremendous amount because that's a massively impactful play. Um, but he also, you know, he had two stops in that and had a pretty clean game. I mean, only 21 snaps, but he's being utilized in the proper way, I think. And um, this is a guy I think you can he's, – he's carving out a role for himself. Um, but he definitely – I think I think they should they get him to be a, a pass rusher as well. I think that would be the one – one thing where it was lacking because he didn't have any pass rushes in this game. So, um, but he's, he is that athlete that you can put out there. Um, as long as he's learning, learning the defense, um, he can be impactful. 
Agreed. And, you know, and we've talked about this before. And it's okay to have a player like this on defense and just say, hey, your assignment is go kill him. I mean, in, in, in the most simplest terms. And, you know, kind of in like a Terminator type of role. And he seems to excel. Um, and But maybe second year, uh, you know, maybe starting, you know, the light to go on maybe a little bit. But you see that. Um, but then, John, and the first thing, and I know there were a million people tweeting about it uh, yesterday. Imagine if 95 was able to go yesterday. Um, I, I, I guess at that point, all you would have asked for is, is who's coming in to dig the six-foot six hole for Carson Wentz. Because you know, it's not that Olivier Vernon hasn't done it in the past. It's I'm sure Adrian Claiborne's done it in the past. But if you would throw Miles Garrett into this mix, uh, you know Carson Wentz would probably still be in Cleveland because he'd be in a hospital somewhere. He might, might have had an actual shutout in this game if it had if he had been on the field. Um, it was because it, it was already close to that, and they had a garbage time touchdown that they had when they started running pre-bit defense and all. But um, yeah, uh, yeah, six sacks. He had. Uh, how, how many pressures yet? You know, seven hurries, seven hits. So he had t- 20 total pressures that the defense was just wrecking on um, Carson Wentz. That offense line is, you know, battered up for sure. And you saw uh, Jason Kelsey in the game hurt his his left elbow. So they were able to – I mean, it doesn't matter who it was. It was, it was I mean, even Jordan Elliott was really getting after it. Um, you know, so like Larry Ogunjobi had the sack or whatever. So he in, you know – these guys that you expected to be able to rush after the passer and, and Vernon and Claiborne finally started doing that in this game when they didn't have the luxury of having Miles Garrett over there. So, um, you know, maybe this is going to be that confidence boost that they need, they need to be able to really wreak havoc on the opposing quarterback. And if Miles Garrett can be out there when those guys are also doing that, um, then you can have a defense that looks like the Pittsburgh Steelers defense where you just have zero time as a quarterback, have no idea who's going to be coming free, and you have to try to get rid of the ball uh, as quickly as possible. So that would be nice And uh, if these guys can, can be that consistent with, the, with their pass rush. Um, and the funniest thing, um, and look, I mean, Jason Peters, look, you know, God bless the guy. He's going to go to the Hall of Fame. Um, but, you know, I mean, you know, he, you know, the, he down the side of the road, uh, you know, I mean, smoke under the hood, a flat tire off the rim. But I mean, you know, hey, 17 years, he's going to go to the Hall of Fame. Funniest thing for me, though, was Kelsey. It almost seemed like the first couple of snaps. Here he was, you know, with this big old brace on, having his teammates snap the buttons for him. And it seemed like the Browns didn't have anybody in the a gap on like the first two snaps. And it was like, guys, really? Um, is this the alignment we're going to go through where we, this guy comes in with like this robot left arm um, so stuff you can laugh about. Cause you know, years ago, this is stuff we would have crit- criticized the living daylights out of, but it worked out obviously rookie Jordan Elliott, uh, John, there's a lot of, you know, uncertainty about the future of the defensive tackle position on, you know, the Browns roster with Larry Ogunjobi in a contract here. Uh, you know, Andrew Billings away from the team, Sheldon Richardson, you know, it was written up as a three-year deal. A lot of the ways you look at it, it could really only be a two-year deal. Um, you know, it's not a huge major as far as, you know, snap counts yet, but you're just starting to see, I mean, and this was, and I know he was a PFF darling coming into the 2021 uh, NFL draft, but, and you're starting to see that now, but a guy who was similar to Olivier Vernon, maybe everything doesn't always pop, but he's doing his role. Yeah. So he was a guy early in the season where uh, he was really excelling. Um, he did struggle, have a couple of games where he struggled. He actually wasn't great against the Cowboys and the Colts. Um, it wasn't great last week, but in, in the role that he's playing, he's largely been a solid player. 
Um, obviously, when you have a forced fumble, it's going to boost your grade. I, I think everybody remembers Larry Ogojobi forcing a fumble against the Ravens week one and thinking, oh, this guy's got a 90-plus grade. And look at him now. He's in the, <laughs> the 50s. So, um, you know, Jordan Elliott's grade for the season's at a 58. So, like, he's making rookie mistakes that you'd expect him to do. Uh, but he he's make if you can make plays like that when your 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 numbers called um you know that's how you see the field and you can grow into that and he's a guy that i think it's going to take some time to develop there's a reason why he went in the third round um but he is a he can be a disruptive player he just needs to he definitely needs to work you know fine-tune his technique uh gain you know gain some uh some you know this physical strength basically um but i think he can definitely do that because he does have that talent um, that natural talent for that the position to be able to do that for the Browns long-term. Uh, BJ Goodson uh, got some time behind the mic today. And, you know, I may be biased, but I think we got a pretty good linebacking crew. BJ Goodson, love you, love the effort, but I think you're being a tad bit biased, big guy. Um. Yeah, so he played a pretty good game, um, actually, in this one. He was his 73.3, which is one of his better games of the season. Um, which, I mean, you want to you be at least an average level at that linebacker position. Um, you know, Mac Wilson has been bad this year. We've, we've got an ad nauseum about him. Malcolm Smith had a rare bad game for himself, but... Um, yeah, well, this, if the Eagles line... were succeeding in the run game, that's not good for Malcolm Smith because Malcolm Smith that is that is certainly not his bread and butter. Right. That's not that's not what he's he's brought here for. He was brought to be a coverage defender and and he was, you know, he was had 36 snaps and 22 of them were in coverage with 13 were in, in run defense and on those 13 run defense snaps he was a 43.9. So, he's not a guy that you want out there stopping the run. Um but this yeah, this this linebacker group is probably one of the worst in the NFL uh, by and large. And just because you had a guy that had to pick six in this game, doesn't mean that you're all of a sudden uh, an elite linebacking group. So um, yeah, they have, they have work that they need to do at that position, but I think Joe Woods has done a really excellent job to put them in proper positions to succeed um, for sure. Especially the last couple of games. Yeah, Joe Woods has uh, done a fantastic job. And now, you know, look, I mean, the weather obviously was a factor yesterday. It was obviously a factor last week and the week before that. But, you know, you got to give credit where it's due. Uh, you know, this defense is playing a little bit better. They're playing with a little bit more confidence. You get the turnovers again yesterday. You get after the quarterback like, you you know, you, you're, you're able to do without, at the time, probably the defensive player of the year who's going to be out again Sunday if anybody missed that. And I'll be honest, guys, the way the Browns have handled injuries, handled everything, if anybody thought he was really going to play against Jacksonville, you were going to put him on a flight, you know, take him out of state. It's just not the way this Browns team is doing things. They are trying to be really calculated and really smart with everything they do, especially with Tennessee peaking uh, behind Jacksonville. We're going to flip it up. We're going to go to the offensive side of the ball here. Uh, we probably talk about Mr. Wyatt Teller in why by far his most difficult matchup of the year. Um, so we're going to get to that and more. With John Costco as we continue through here on your Locked on Browns Tuesday edition. Protecting my family is my number one priority, but I want to do it safely. The people at Taser believe that safer self-defense is better self-defense. Taser's line of non-lethal 
self-protection devices are small and lightweight enough to carry with you or in your glove compartment or for you ladies in your purse, yet they're powerful enough to incapacitate a would-be attacker. Guys, guns carry unnecessary risk for you and those around you, and even pepper spray can harm you as much as an attacker, and it's often ineffective. Taser products, uh, Taser products are safer and easier to use. They use an electrical charge to immobilize attackers for up to 30 seconds, allowing you the time to escape and send emergency dispatch to your GPS location. Taser devices come loaded with features like laser-assisted targeting and emergency dispatch, and they will send uh, response to your GPS location upon firing. Taser, uh, more than 237 lives have been saved with the Taser network of devices, apps, and personnel. Ultimate law enforcement theme, and now you can own a Taser, the number uh, one choice of protect yourself and your family with Taser's line of smart self-defense products. Taser is available without a permit in most of the United States. Get the Taser Pulse Plus or Taser Strike Light at taser.com. Using the promo code NFL. We're going to get some more this week. Obviously, Thanksgiving, you know, we have the opportunity to only go with four episodes. Uh, we'll probably do five, guys. Uh, the way my schedule works here, break from the nine to five here. Uh, we'll have Pete in later again this week. Obviously, we're going to do the crossover episode uh, with Ant Wig of Locked On Jaguars. Uh, I know he's been on a couple of times, and I know uh, listeners really enjoy him. He's a guy I like talking about. We get to talk a little Joe Schobert, see how things are going down there for Joe as Cleveland travels down to face the, the hapless Jaguars who would love to be able to donate that one victory they have to be in the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. The offensive side of the ball, um, John, again, uh, you know, we see, you know, what is the strength of this team and the run game. And it was, again, it, it, similar to the Houston game. It took a while before it became effective. And you get that incredible from Nick Chubb late. But one of the things for me that stuck out the most is you talk, you know, snaps. Rashard Higgins, Kadero Hodge with more, sma- more snaps than Jarvis Landry. Uh, much bigger production. Each one of them hit a big one deep. Um, and, Pete and, that, and Pete and I talk, you know, a lot uh, as far as you know, what's here is no block, no rock. And these guys are going after it. They're dogs, but I guess we're going to start it off. Um, you know, Wyatt Taylor yesterday with probably his biggest matchup, big time brand namer uh, in Fletcher Cox. Young man, still pretty solid, but a couple of times. Yeah, I mean, you can't you can't expect to to always just maul people left and right, uh, especially when you go up against a, an elite defender that you know very well could be a Hall of Famer one day and how good he's been over his career. Um, and he, he got his share and, and, but Wild Taylor also got his share. So you're not going to, you're not, it, that was a great matchup. I, you're going to, you're going to see good, uh, good Wild Taylor and bad Wild Taylor in that regard. And his grade of a 71 was his lowest of the year, but like a 71 is, is still a good game. Um, he did give up, you know, technically he gave up that sack when uh, he allowed the bull rush to come into him and it got the Baker strip stacks. That's, that's on Teller to get, you know, he got, you know, pushed a bit. Um, you know, he lost a few more times in a run game than he had all year, but I mean, by and large, he's, he still made some fantastic blocks. Obviously the, the, 
the one highlight on the, the Kareem Hunt touchdown run where he knocked one guy. I don't know how do you even others. do that. How how do you? It was like bowling. Like he was just not. I mean, like he just knocking guys into other pins. It was like, dude, this it's like this guy's at another level at times. He really. I mean, he's he's taken to this coaching from Bill Callahan extremely well. Um, and as you know, there's a there's a thread by Brandon Thorne who does a lot of good stuff breaking down offensive linemen um, and really highlighted that matchup pretty well. So you know, I recommend people checking if you want to go into the nerd, you know, the nitty gritty of of technique. Um, you know, he, he'll go into that. You know, we we go into the tech, you know, the the fast of did he win his rep or not type stuff. Um, and he won his fair share, and, and he then lost his fair share against you know Fletcher Cox, but. Um, you know, in the end, the Browns. You know, the Browns won the game, and especially on the ground, in terms of just being able to get some going there. Um, and you know, that's ultimately what what matters there, and, and being able to the free Nick Chubb for just one run that uh, you know ignited everything. Before we get to the wide receivers, take us through that Nick Chubb run as you guys are trying to grade it, because patience, vision footwork you throw in a stiff arm i mean it literally was like the it was kind of like the banana split with the the ice cream the bananas the whipped cream hot fudge cherry (laughs) sprinkle it had i mean if you want to see a run and say well i mean like talk about like literally using every tool in the belt that a running back would use he literally used almost everything on that run yeah so when we when we grade running backs right so there's a there's a multiple of factors that have running back can get a positive grade. So if you force a missed tackle and you have to do something beyond it, not just forcing a missed tackle and then getting tackled immediately after by another guy, um, by gaining yards after that. So you get that, obviously you had the cutback, which was a good, was a nice cutback from him. He has a stiff arm into the oblivion uh, of that defense, you know, Joel Ostman. Um, that gets you, that gets you, you know. Welcome we, to the NFL, son. Right, exactly. So that's a, you know, we grade these in 0.5 increments, right? So like every event that gets you a positive, you know, result gets you a 0.5. So you start tacking on these 0.5. So you have the, the stiff arm into the living. You have the good burst, the good cutback. You have the, the more bro- broken tackles that that come along with it. The patience to, to let the blockers come through there and also, uh, you know, block, you get in front of you so you can get more yards. Um you know, the only thing you can really ask for is to end up finishing the run in the end zone. Uh, so you talk about an event and then gaining yards after that event. So like if you were to, if you were to stiff arm Joel Osman into the oblivion and then get tackled as he's doing that, it really doesn't matter that he broke that tackle. Right. So um, he, he was able to break, you know, break that tackle, stiff arm him and then gain, you know, gain, uh, fi- you know, obviously 50, 50 some yards after that, but you know, with a lot more events that happen. So that's kind of how it goes through. And when we grade this stuff, the vision, then be able to see those holes that matter. So, um, but it also, you know, also we have to credit the offensive line for being able to, to open up the cutback lane that he had. Fantastic job all around, obviously in that regard. Yeah. Um, to Daryl hot, Richard Higgins, um, just, it, it, it you know, where this wide receiver room may be headed because, you know, you talk about the guys who are making the money and there's two wide receivers on this roster right now making $30 million. And week in, week out, we talk about the running game. We talk about, you know, 
the offensive line. We talk about the tight ends. Um, and now we're starting to talk about wide receivers, neither of whom are part of the 30 million that the Browns have allocated in it to wide receivers. But Rashard Higgins, Kaderil Hodge, are we maybe starting to see that, you know, there's a certain type of wide receiver we need for the best success of Baker Mayfield? But even still, I mean, just credit to these guys. I mean, you know, we're never really thought to be guys that were going to be high snap, snap count players with Becca Midlandry here, obviously. Um, but I think, you know, yesterday maybe shows you a couple things. Yeah, I think you have to – I mean, Kevin Stefanski realizes that, like, number one receiver on this team right now is Landry. So being able to spread it around to take attention away from him for future games, future plays – um, is definitely needed. And, and he can't create the general separation that Odell can. No, he he can't. Nobody, none of these guys can. So, I, you know, I think we all contemplated. All right, is this offense going to be better with OBJ? I think that I think the answer to that is no, um, based on what we've seen so far from an, from a passing perspective. Um, and even the run game hasn't been as effective without without OBJ there. So, like, there he, he does he does bring that element to it and. Um, that what I think most people thought was like, is, is Baker going to play better with OBJ? And I, I don't think there's been any real, any change in terms of how Baker's played. So, um, you know, I think it's been, a, it was more of a Baker issue rather than probably an OBJ issue. Um, regardless of them not being on the same page, but like Richard Higgins, he's a good route runner. He, he is going to be in the spots that you expect him to be. So that's a that's a trust thing that Baker has with him. Kader Hodge is a is a decently explosive player. He's not he doesn't have the the suddenness that maybe an OBJ does, but he definitely has it much more than a Jarvis Landry. Landry is a type of guy that's going to be in those spots where you want him. But you know, I have to I do have to wonder if like Landry's still like trying to shake off some injuries injuries and reason why he he was out snapped by those two guys because you would not expect that right um, because because Landry does. Like he does all the dirty work for the team, even when he's not getting those targets. He's the, he's a guy that's in there making those blocks and stuff like that. So, um, I would prefer to have a, you know, a receiving room of like these explosive athletes, like you got with Kansas City Chiefs, but you're kind of not, you don't have that right now. So, these guys are doing the nitty gritty work in the run game and doing what you want them to do. So, um, I, they're doing what you ask them to do, and I think you can't, you can't definitely can't. Uh, fault them for that and you you have to give them all the praise they want they can for that uh look and you know for me and you know as we said on lockdown browns on the on the pregame show look i ain't here for style points uh and, and i ain't here on grading it if if there's a w at the end of it i don't i don't care how it got done i don't care who baked it who cooked the pasta none of that means a hill of beans to me um and the other thing and this is where you know, now we're starting to see a little bit with the, you know, the defensive side of the ball. We've been, you know, we've seen it almost every victory on the offensive side of the ball is, John, it's, this is more of a 53-man roster. I mean, you have, you know, even though you have Miles Garrett, you have Nick Chubb, you have these truly exceptional talents, there's, there's a lot here. I mean, this is a meat and potatoes roster. I mean, it used to be, okay, well, there's a star there, there's a star there. All we got to do is figure out the other 20 starters and, uh, you know, and then we got to look for some depth. Um, certainly not the case anymore. And with nine future draft picks in 2021, obviously still going to be some free agent money. Um, just the assemblance of this roster, where it is to be seven and three, 
for first regime. And it's not that this is, you know, the first regime of, you know, guys who've had their runarounds in this league. It's a first time general manager. It's a first time head coach. Uh, you know, it seemed like they were pretty particular with what they wanted, who they wanted. And it's really starting to show some dividends. Yeah. I, I mean, it's going to be a, a multi-year process to kind of get the roster to where it needs to be. Um, I think you, you're definitely seeing it on, on the, definitely for the offensive line that they, they have the depth there. They have the, obviously the, the core for sure to be able to be good long-term. And now they can, they can build around that. They can keep adding, you know, good players, especially, you know, and to, you know, offensive weaponry. Um, and then on the defensive side, you, you do have some pieces that are coming together. And obviously you've got Miles Garrett, you have Denzel Ward, who you, you probably want to start look, you're going to lock up long-term this off season. Ronnie Harrison was a steal for, you know, uh, from the Jaguars. Um, you hope you can hope that Greedy Williams and Grant Delpet can be those types of guys moving forward in that secondary as well, so that you have a, a nice core there. Um, you know, I, I, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. I think there, you know, you can see it from the, from an overall grades perspective from on the defense, where they're you know from an overall perspective they're in the middle of the pack in the NFL. So they're no longer this one of the worst defenses in the NFL. Um, they're a unit that is playing at basically at kind of an average level over the course of the season. And you've seen how they come together in the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, from the offense perspective, they're one of the top, you know, they're a top six unit, mainly because of that, that offensive line. So, um, yes, this off, this front office has done a, a really good job of just kind of building a team as quickly as they could, a com- especially a competitive team. Um, and then the coaching staff has done a you know great job of, putting them in the positions to succeed. Um, and, it, you know, hopefully ends up in a, a playoff spot this year and then, you know, consistent, you know, perennial playoff contender every single year. Uh, yeah, and, and obviously the way the rest of the chips fell yesterday, obviously, uh, you know, good, uh, you know, good day for the Browns, not only with the win, but, you know, the way some of the other games worked for them, um, you know, it was nice. So the apparently the Raiders had a tank last night and blow it, so they could put in that bid on Tack McKinley, um, who you know, we'll see if he can actually pass a physical this time for a team. As we'll continue the dance with Tack McKinley, but hey, Vegas, you got yours back. Uh, you got Tack McKinley, uh, but I think the Browns will take the seven and three at the end of the day. We get some overall game thoughts here with John uh, as we move on into the third segment. We are also going to peek ahead. Um, at the Jaguars and see if there's something there that, you know, we maybe are going to have to watch for this week coming up. Jeff Lloyd, John Costco, as we continue through Locked on Browns. Built Go makes you the best you at whatever you do. Break through your wall, whether it's a mental or physical wall, break through it with Go every day. Easy to take in one and a half ounce packages Put it in your briefcase for the most focused presentation ever, or put it in your pocket to get through the day. Builtco is the best workout gel on the market. It's five-hour energy without the same crash feeling, plus it's natural, so it's better for the body. Three delicious flavors, peanut butter honey, chocolate coconut, and chocolate mint. Builtco combines energy gel with collagen protein. Collagen protein is fast-absorbing, so it gets into my system fast. Plus, it is easy on the stomach. Beta uh, Biltco is loaded with good stuff to ignite my work. Beta Alanine, also part of the Biltco recipe. Biltco then kicks 
in with B6, B12, 10,000% of your daily percentage. Collagen promotes joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health. This stuff literally makes you look better. Visit BuiltGo.com. Use the promo code LOCKED. All caps, no space, L-O-C-K-E-D, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. So, John, the game itself, um, and obviously slow starting, um, and you'd love to see this offense come out a little bit quicker against some of these lesser opponents. But, again, at the end of the day, the bottom line is, what are you graded on? What are you getting paid on? You're getting paid on wins and losses. They were able to slowly put it together. Um, it, it's funny because we talked about Baker Mayfield so much over his career here and how much we liked him on the move. Um, you know, Usually what is the most difficult thing to do is to put your quarterback on the boot to the wrong side. Um, seem to have some success, though, in finding the opportunities on the deep balls on the boots to the left. Yeah, so um, what's interesting is I think I think part of it is the rain. Like you said, it had some inconsistencies, right? Obviously, the underthrow um, on Hooper, you know, was it Hooper? Yeah, no, it was Harrison Bryant, and then you had to overthrow to Hooper, right? Um, both should have been touchdowns. He missed on both of those. Like you you can see on the – And it was like one was the – the first one was the miss, and then the second one was the overcompensating for the I threw it too short – Let's make sure I don't throw it too short, and then you tossed it way too far. Well, so if you look at it in film, that ball takes it like a nosedive. That so, and that's why it kind of it falls in, you know, falls short. So, like, I don't know if it's a, if the wind picked up right at that moment and just just tanked it. And so then he's trying to co- overcompensate for. All right, I got the wind that's going to pick up right there, and boom, yeah, he overthrows it. So it's like it's it it's rough, right? But it's like. You got to be able to figure out how to make those throws, right? You're you're paid to make those types of throws and make those touchdowns. You've got to be able to do it. Um, he had four big time throws in this game. He didn't have a turnover worthy throw, um, but he needs to he needs to find that consistency where it's just like you're you're consistently being able to make those types of completions or at least put your players in position to make those completions. One of the things with the Browns uh, for him, and I know you asked about boots and stuff like that, but. The team, the team is, has the fewest number of yards after the catch in the NFL, and it's by a long shot. Part of this is, part of this is scheme wise, where you don't, you're not getting a lot of screens. You're not, but it also like for Baker, he throws it into tight windows all the time, where these guys don't have the opportunity to. Or if they are open, he's missing slightly on the on a throw, where it's. You know, maybe too high. It takes him too high, and he has to, the guy falls to the ground, or it's too low, and he takes him to the ground, stuff like that. So it's an interesting, um, you know, thing there. And hopefully, you can, you know, the Browns can figure out how to get these their, their receivers and, and the tight ends and the backs to to get some more yak. But for Baker on a rollout left, like typically he's pretty good on those rollouts. So like, you know, I, I'd like to see what happens in this game where there's likely no inclement weather happening. 74 degrees currently for Sunday in Jacksonville. Uh, it, it'd be nice to actually see you know one game where it's, you know, we, we could at least just leave the damn freaking ponchos to the side because it's getting a little frustrating. Um, but, again, it's probably given, you know, the, the Browns the advantage almost every week. Obviously, you couldn't take, care, uh, you know, take advantage of it uh, the one week versus Las Vegas. 
Spree bringing up the Jacksonville Jaguars, our old buddy Joe Schobert. And, John, is, is there anything, I mean, anything worth looking at and going, well, I guess this is the one we're going to have to, you know, maybe fire up a little extra film on this week with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, they're running back, James Robinson, I think, undrafted rookie. Was he undrafted? I don't remember. He's a yes. rookie. Um, and he's been he's been very good. He's he's one of the top gated runners in the NFL so far this year. Um, I, I think anybody that has you know plays fantasy and has, has played him in fantasy no, knows the type of the numbers that he's been putting up. You know, he has 762 yards, a couple you know five touchdowns. Um, he's done he's done a really excellent job for them. So I think they're you know you have to be able to stop him. This passing game you don't it doesn't scare you at all. Um, Really, I think because of the court, the quarterbacks, whoever they put out there, if it's going to be Gardner Minshew or Jake Luton this week, I don't know if Minshew's still hurt. Uh, I'd have to look into that, but um, you know, Minshew. But it also might more- just be the point where they're going to look at, you know, look at the. I mean, they kind of know what they have in Minshew. Uh, you maybe want to see a little bit of the other guy because let's be honest, whoever it is, is you, you know, you may be talking about you know one of them being kept around to be who's ever going to be behind yeah. Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, whoever the hell it is. Yeah, whoever it is. But, I mean, I think that this is not a team to take lightly. I think it was 17-3 it was late into the third quarter against the Steelers last week. I mean, that's that's no joke. Like, they played the, the, under, you know, the only undefeated team in the NFL really tough. Um, you know, they got offensive line is pretty solid. They've got Brandon Linder, Andrew Norwell. Those guys are both really strong. And is Norwell the one who's hurt, though? I, I think Norwell's hurt. Did he hurt? Did he get hurt? Yeah, uh, I think he hurt his arm, and they already ruled him out for this week. So there's well, then there's a new damage, right? So, but like Linder, Linder though, their center is is a you know one of the better centers in the NFL. I think he's a pretty underrated guy. Um, so you know you, you've got to. Uh, but the thing is, they have a lot of holes in this in this team. You know, Miles Jack on the defense is a solid player. I mean, we talked about Joe Schobert. Um, we know what the type of player he is. He's really good in coverage. But he struggles against the run. He really he can be a good, effective uh, pass rusher. But so far this year, he's been one of the worst graded linebackers in the NFL at you know forty seven point nine, um, and he has actually struggled in, in coverage this year, which is not usually his his forte. So um, you know, or his, I don't his, care how far I love Joe Schilbert. I know. I, I mean, he's, he's a good guy, right? He's a good guy. Everybody loved him in Cleveland, but he's a gamer. You don't pay. You don't. You don't pay, you don't pay linebackers that type of money. And, so, you know, the Browns do need to upgrade that position, but, you know, he's, he's now in, in Jacksonville and that team, that team just has a lot of holes. You don't, you don't fear anybody on their secondary CJ Henderson, their first round pick, I think is a really good player. He's good, but he's, you know, shown it in the NFL yet. He's really being tasked with like covering the, the number one wide receiver for pretty much every week for the other, you know, opposing offenses. So, um, you yeah, know, he's, he's been grading rather poorly at a 58 you know, in coverage, but you know, it's, this is a defense that you should be able to pick apart at every facet in the game. You should be able to run these guys. You should be able to pass on these guys. Um, they, they are, they do play tough and you have to come, come in with your A game. Um, as I think you've, they showed against this, the Steelers, but um, really they do not have a lot of good players playing well for them right now. And the other thing is, is um, look, we all know Tennessee's, you know, behind that game. Uh, no excuses, and this is no time to, uh, you know, basically, you know, uh, you know, drop a flat tire here. And look, you've wanted better weather. Uh, you're going to get that opportunity. 
Uh, you, you wanted a string of winnable games. You're going to continue to get that opportunity before you're going to get in some heavyweight fights here over the next couple of weeks. Who knows where that Raven game will be with, you know, the state of what's going on, you know, the Baltimore roster, obviously. I mean, I guess the same could be said for the Browns roster because they've kind of been going through the same similar situations themselves. John, we are closing in closer and closer here towards the end of the NFL regular season. NFL MVP to this point, NFL Defensive Player of the Year to this point. So if you would have asked me this a couple weeks ago, I would have def- definitively said it was Russell Wilson. Um, because he was grading out in 93-ish for, in a, at the quarterback position, which was the, the highest-graded quarterback. And he and Rodgers were the highest-graded quarterbacks, but I think I think uh, Wilson was probably you know doing doing it more spectacularly or whatever with a worse defense. Um, but now I think it's like you know Wilson had a couple bad games. Rodgers lost to the Colts. And it's like, oh, there's Patrick Mahomes right back at the top again. He's second graded, highest graded quarterback <laughs> in the NFL. And it's like, yeah, uh, it's same old, same old. So it, I think, I think. And then you see that drive last night. And then you see that drive last night, and you're just like, oh, oh good God, it, this guy is special. Yeah, and yeah, an overall game, he wasn't all that special. He missed on a, he misses on a lot of easy throws, but then he makes up for it for just like the spectacular. Um, and then to also does it with the come from behind wins and stuff like that. And it's, and it's what he can do at any given moment is this, you know, is this incredible. So um, Mahomes is the MVP for sure. Um, when it comes to defense, I, I know people want to say it's Miles Garrett, but I think Miles Garrett. I think this pa- two-week stretch is going to hurt him. The, the missing, missing games is going to hurt for sure. But also, like, pr- prior to even missing games, he was on a downspill. So, uh, again, you've got, I think it's up to basically Aaron Donald and TJ Watt are the two highest graded defensive players in the NFL this year. And I think they are very well deserving of getting, you know, having that, that recognition for defensive player of the year. I think Watt is maybe, maybe that, you know, cause you're on an undefeated team with the best defense in the NFL, he probably is going to get it. Uh, but those two are probably the best defensive players so far um, this year. Um, you know, and, and Miles Garrett has a case to be able to make it if he comes back strong and, and really starts wrecking, wreaking havoc like he was early in the year. Certainly wouldn't hurt T.J. Watt as he's you know closing into time for the Steelers to write that big fat check for their edge rusher. So for T.J. Watt, smart move, smart move financially for the way it's working out for him. <laughs> Yeah, I mean he's a fantastic player, and who knows who knows what they're going to do. They're going to they're going to sign him, and I, it always seems like that the Steelers are able to strike these bargain deals for their guys. So um, who knows what he seems like the type of guy that would strike a bargain for them, you know? But uh, who knows? I, I think he's probably going to command top dollar, and you, you should get it for sure. Jesse Bates is another guy I think that won't get any recognition for for defensive player of the year, but I think really kind of should have you know some some people talking about him he has three interceptions this year 10 pass breakups he's great as the highest graded safety of this year at a 91 is in coverage he's a 91.3 so he's been phenomenal for the, the Bengals basically he's a great player and he, it's 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 unfortunate for for him just because of the fact that he's stuck on a team that's obviously just lost their quarterback and a defense that's largely been really bad um but you know there's there's a lot of good 
good players that are out there on bad teams. And he just happens to be one of them. Um, you know, so I think he should get some recognition and, you know, at least the Browns have already played him twice and don't have to deal with him anymore. Fantastic young player. There's no doubt about it. And you can kind of see it. He was a great player at Wake. He is about to go from PFF. Uh, enjoy having John here. You know, we get to go through the grades and I, I just, you know, John's one of the guys I just absolutely love talking ball with at John Costco three. Uh, if you're looking for the follow on Twitter, uh, me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd show itself at lockdown Browns follow that account. DMs are open. It's just really fun covering this team right now at seven and three and starting to see the growth and, you know, guys coming together. It's just fascinating at this point. This is something we've all been hoping for, for obviously some of you certainly me for, you know, three plus years now covering this team since the uh, doldrums of the 2017 season. This has been your daily delivery of all things dog round. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns. You know, one thing,